Hello everyone and welcome to the latest of the Echoes Event podcast. Um, small team today, just myself, Phil Kirkbride, Everton editor Greg O'Keefe discussing the one-all draw at Upton Park as Everton's sort of good run of form continued against West Ham as he, you know, as he signed off for the last time at uh, that particular plot of East London before uh, the Hammers moved to the Olympic Park and, uh, and we'll also be discussing one of the main men in, the, in orchestrating that point Gerard De La Feu, um, and, and where he's up to in his progress as we sort of go into an international break and can reflect on on Everton's progress. Greg, is that one old draw at Upton Park a good point or two drops? Well, I think on reflection, given how well West Ham have been going, uh, you've got to kind of look at it as, as a decent point. The frustrating thing is that the performance, I feel, possibly merited a little bit more or rather Everton there was a sense at times in the game that West Ham were, were there for the taking a little bit Everton had the attacking kind of intent to get and create chances I mean there was talk um, of a possible penalty claim wasn't there and what have you but I don't really buy into that as much as I think they should have done more I think in the final third the impetus was there the 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 options were there, certainly in terms of the, you know, we got to see the three behind Ron that we wanted again. But that, again, that last pass was a little bit errant. I thought Lukaku, uh, who's been absolutely sensational lately, took his goal ever so well. And the fact that he's a centre forward who keeps scoring, uh, it comes round to that age-old thing about Ron. You wrote a, an interesting piece a few, well, a couple of months ago now, speaking to his first coach, said that, you know, so many elements of his game are all, you know, kind of not perfect, but the fact that he keeps scoring and has mm-hmm. done since the youth system kind of almost overrides that. Overrides that. And I think Saturday was probably an example of that in degree. The times that his touch wasn't as sharp as it could have been and uh, listen, I still thought he, he played well overall. But I just felt that and Kone perhaps wasn't at his yeah, wasn't levels yeah, we've seen wasn't. from him lately. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, yeah, good point. Bit of frustration mm. that maybe there could have been more. I think I, I I think I was left with the feeling very similar. You know, it was a good point given where West Ham. West Ham are a good team. That you know, as Martinez said before the game, they've they're a different threat now under Billich. They've bought well. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And Moses had one of his games. He just seems to against Everton for some reason, where he looked he looked he looked like the player that everybody saw coming through at Palace yeah. and Wigan etc. and was excited about. So, but then equally, I know they had a few missing. Maybe might have been a factor in their performance, but I looked at West Ham and thought, yeah, they're a good team. But I thought, well, Everton have equ- easily matched them today. It wasn't a great game. I felt the point was probably about right, but I didn't think that Everton had absolutely battered them and 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 been unlucky, or Everton had been on the ropes and had done well to come away with the point. So it kind of gave me a bit of hope in the fact that everybody's you know eulogising about this West Ham team, and and fair enough because they've had some cracking results. But I thought, well, you know what? I don't think they're any better than Everton. So I gave me, you know, as as much as we were frustrated, it still gave me hope that, you know, those sides that some people seem to think might be out of touch now for some reason, Mm. I very much doubt. I think we'll we'll see Everton claw that four-point deficit to West Ham back in in between now and Christmas. I suspect you could be right. You're actually, well, obviously at Upton Park. One thing I'd be interested to find out from your perspective is watching when Everton didn't have the ball, Mm. and it's something that we've mentioned before, Everton don't press with the intensity of some teams. Now, look, there's different ways to go about 
you know, the defensive player. I'm not saying pressing is the be all and end all. Certainly, we've heard enough of that from the other end of the park. <laughs> Gagging pressing is the only way to do things. Yeah. I'm not saying it is, but you know, a team who can hurt you like West Ham, mm. at times we seem to set and stand off and give the yeah. attacking yeah. players a little bit too much room for my liking. I think Phil, is that yeah. what is the the reason from that? Is that because Martinez doesn't? So when we win the ball back. He, he wants the team in a position whereby they can instantly, fluently mm. attack and he doesn't want them pulled out of place yeah. if they've been pressing. Why? I, I, I don't know. I think, I, again, I'm you know, just trying to give our opinion and we're no, we're no tactical experts. But I, get, no. I guess it's different to when you're pressing at home. I think you'll find at Goodison against certain teams, maybe not the top teams, but against you know, the, the middle rung to lower rung of teams, Everton can afford to press high and fast and try and win the ball up out the pitch. A couple of reasons... The quality of the player on the ball they're playing against won't be as good as, as the better teams. They feel that they can trouble them and, and unsettle them into giving the ball away. So all of a sudden you've got two or three players high up the pitch. But maybe against a West Ham team, you have a lot of pace in that team, a lot of skill, a lot of pace. And I just wonder whether if you're if you're asking Rom, De La Feu, Barkley, Kone to press high up the pitch, one pass through the lines, suddenly you've got space for West Ham you know, you've got Payet turning, you know, suddenly it's in a very sort of difficult position. And maybe Roberto thought Everton were a little bit too open at times against Sunderland and perhaps decided, no, we're going to be compact and tight in, in terms of, I think so, I think I've seen it referred to as, a, as some sort of low block, maybe. And you sit in and you've got positional. It's almost like pressing and, and, and defending, but using your position on the pitch rather than having mm. to harry the defence and, and, and chase them where... One one player not being maybe being half a yard off a press where he should have been creates a half a yard of space in behind and then you're in trouble. So I, I thought you know the goal was disappointing in the fact that it, it you know it, it, they were allowed to sort of attack and get the shot into the box, but obviously it was a lucky deflection and the finish was terrific from Lanzini. But apart from that, I thought Everton defended really well. Well, I was just going to say on that point, uh, Scotty and all of us uh, in the preview podcast last week expressed our concerns about you know, Andy Carroll maybe and the mm. potency of West Ham yeah, from crosses yeah. and how poor we've been at defending crosses lately. I think on the bright one of the bright things about Saturday was how impressive I mean John Stones' form was back on yeah, back, back bang yeah, on point. Yeah, that helped. Yeah. But just generally speaking, Mori had a strong game. I thought Seamus Coleman was a lot better defensively yeah, he's been in a long yeah. time. Uh, even Brendan Galloway did well. So there were positives there defensively. I thought we looked solid. You know, you know, West Ham had quite a lot of the ball in the second half. But were forced mainly with pot shots. Lanzini had a few. Zarati was getting the West Ham fans agitated because he just he he had nowhere to go, so he kept shooting. But, but as far as Everton were concerned, that was that was what they wanted. Um, I thought I thought Everton's players worked very hard. I actually thought McCarthy had a good game, and I don't think a lot has been spoke about him. But I actually felt he got through a lot of work. Um, well, he always does, doesn't and he? And I just thought it was really... Yeah. It, it, felt it was like, effective, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I felt like it was going to be in one of those games where he would have to, you know... Yeah. And I think, he, I think he did a good job, and as you mentioned, Coleman, that's his best performance we've seen since he's come back from his injury. And 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 this sort of brings it neatly on to what we're going to talk about now. But I thought De La Feu, for all the praise he's had for his attacking play, I thought he worked his socks off going backwards. Yeah. I noticed and, that. And yeah. I think that it was probably no surprise that he couldn't last 90 because he'd think he'd, mm. he'd run himself into the ground, but... As I said, we as I said at the start of the podcast, we were going to speak about Jerry going forward, and there's a developing, well, rapidly developing, if it isn't already, 
solidified partnership and understanding between him and Romelu. Yeah. You know, we talk about partnerships between Romelu and Kone. Um, we've seen understanding, maybe not as much as we would like recently, between Ross Barkley and Romelu, but him and Dale Fave seem to be on the same wavelength, Greg. I mean, do, do you agree or do you think it's... I you know, think it's, a, it's a natural. Is it just the quality of these two young players that they understand that where each other's going to be? What do you think about that that relationship on the pitch? I think, as we've seen at times between Rom and Ross Barkley, Lukaku's a very intuitive player. I think he's an intelligent lad. And I think he's someone who's very much... Other players can bring the best out of him and vice versa. He's a player who's he's not a lone wolf. He sparks off mm. other players of similar ability. And... Um, I think they absolutely have formed an understanding. And I think that pass mm. into Rom's feet for the goal yeah. was absolutely sensational. Mm. You know, if, look, I'm not, if, you could say this, if anything, Messi does get attention. But if, if one of the top four yeah, yeah, yeah. playmakers had delivered that assist, we'd still be seeing Vines and Sky Sports would be, you know, running it again yeah, and again yeah. and again. It was superb. I don't know if Match of the Day last night gave it much, uh, or, or indeed on Saturday gave it much yeah. note. I think Everton were last on match of the day. I think they were, yeah. So it was a decent game as well, but anyway, that's that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, it was a brilliant ball, and not there's not many players who are capable of splitting the defence like that for me. Yeah, you don't yeah. see that often. There's a no, reason no. why you don't see that often. Well, the vision, and not only the vision to see the run, then to deliver the yeah, pass, yeah, yeah. which had to be inch perfect. Had to be, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can I bet you there were kind of jaws agape in the press box after that. That oh, was unbelievable. But I think also maybe been lost. In the sort of analysis of the goal, how quickly Everton won the ball back and turned it over, turned defence into attack. I think Barry had won the ball, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to watch it back again. He won the ball back, played a very simple pass to Dave Fayou, mm. and within four, three, four seconds, had scored. You know that ability to yeah. to counter attack, if you like, with speed and and, and vision. That, yeah. I mean, that pass did. I think that's I think that's what Everton are brilliant at. Yeah, I really do. Um, it's now just perfecting. You know, less so against your Sunderlands. Maybe you get a bit of your better your better teams are gonna to come to Goodison, you know, between now and and Christmas and the rest of the season, breaking them down. <laughs> Which know. brings me back to and I look, I'm getting sick of saying this myself. January, they still need the number ten. They still I, need I, someone it's to still, it's, down. it's still a, still an issue, isn't it? I think it, I think they've done I think, you know, Everton have, we haven't really struggled for goals in many games, I think they've attacked very well. But look, undoubtedly, I mean, you add in a quality playmaker to that team. That's an exciting team, that. That is a really exciting team. If you add a quality playmaker into that team, Lukaku's going to score 25 goals. Well, yeah. Because, he, because as we said at the top, he's getting he's got an understanding with Dale Feu, who's made five of his goals this season. He's got an understanding with Kone, yeah. Ross. Ross. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got options. You've got, you can, you know, variations, ways of playing, you know. If, if, as you imagine it will do, people start getting onto the De La Feu rom supply line, well, go to go to Ross, go to Aruna, or go to this number 10. I just think, you know, Everton have, I think if Everton have, have made a, a decent start to the season, you know, at, at one point it was an excellent start, it slowed a little bit, enough, but I think we'll claw back some some points now between now and Christmas with the games we've got. But it's it's just the one piece that's just missing, and you know I don't want to take anything away from the attacking play, but because some of the attacking has been absolutely terrific, and the goal, as we said, was brilliant. Maybe as you say, it's it's still just hanging in the air there, isn't it? And we'll, mm. we'll wait and see whether Yarmolenko materialises in January or, or or at the end of the season. But 
yeah, you just and look, Roberto knows that's that's the type of player because you know we spoke about it enough. The fact that he's still trying desperately to get Stephen Pienaar fit kind of says a lot about what he feels we're still missing. And yeah, I think he, I think a ten, a quality playmaker elevates Everton from a very, very, very good team with potential, and you know that can show flashes of brilliance to a team that does that consistently. But um, no, as, as we're about to sort of come in and record this podcast, we were sort of told about stat about about Jerry and assists, and yep. I, th- I think he's like in the, is he, he's only four or five players in the Europeans top leagues that have assisted more goals. I think yeah. you're talking about Odil, um, Douglas Costa, Douglas Costa, um, Kagawa, and Mkhitaryan both at Dortmund. I mean, yeah. they're scoring goals for fun, aren't yeah. they? It's like it's like PlayStation footy over there at the minute for them, but. Um, I mean, that just shows the impact he's made. and I think I've written about it. I'd be interested to see what you think about when he came back and we heard the stories about from Zavir and from Unai Emery sort of saying he, does, you know, he needs to work from the team. And, and we, you know, I certainly asked the manager about, well, he's, has he matured? You know, this is a concern. And Roberto was insistent he had done. Mm-hmm. Have we seen that now in the fact that he's got so many assists and the fact that yeah. his default position no more isn't, I've just got to take the man on? I think we have. I think we've seen a very, very tangible mature, maturing of him. Um, you know, he will try and take the man up. I think you made the point, he'll try and go past the fullback. Mm. You said it about Sunderland in the That's Sunderland right, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he senses it isn't on, or at that time he, he thinks they are, they're a bit quick, or mm. maybe they've got beaten me to try and go outside them, he just varies it up. Yeah. And he, now he's got we the ability to deliver first time, yeah. wonderfully incisive crosses into the box, which can be as effective as him trying to skin a fullback. So, for me, he has matured. His appetite for work to help out the team also suggests that. And just generally his fitness, you know, yeah, you're right, you know, he didn't last the full, the full 90 um, against the Hammers, but as down to anything else, the fact that, you know, he is putting in a shift defensively yeah. and it'll take time for him to you know, kind of get that, um, his, his, his engine going for the full 90, full 90 in that yeah. regard. I'm sure Martinez will agree, he always does sort of single out wingers for deserving a special kind of <laughs> fitness Plateau, I've never quite understood that to a degree, but anyway, um, I think that he is definitely a better player mm. than he was, and uh, it kind of brings us to the, the, the point of concern, I suppose, isn't it? Is that if he carries on improving mm. at this level exponentially, are we already looking at fearing of maybe Barcelona coming back in for him yeah. in the summer well, or I mean, someone else? I mean, I, I, I put that to reverse, so God, when was it? it was, well, it was much earlier in the season, do you remember? We did a piece and I'd I think it was after, uh, it would have been after West Brom, I think. He provided those two assists, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. sort of said to Roberto, well, is there any concern that if he continues playing like this, and mm. which effectively he has done a little bit of up and down. More or less, yeah. Um, that Barcelona will want to ac- activate the release clause that was put in for the for the, for the first two years of the, of, of the deal. And to summarise, Roberto's answer was he wasn't concerned, and he felt that what he was he was getting at was that De La Feu would would, well, he felt that it was about a footballing decision, as he put it, and, and that, that De La Feu would value first-team football, regular football, understanding that he's developing, a, you know, at a club like Everton over a return home, basically, and he would he would sort of see that after his experiences at Sevilla and then going back to Barca and, and not being given an opportunity he felt he deserved, he would see this as somewhere to settle now for for a few years at least. So. No, look, understandably, it would be a worry and, you know, it's something we have to keep an eye on and, 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 and we will do. But 
I don't think immediate any sort of immediate worries necessary. I don't I don't I don't foresee anything that January summer well into you know at the earliest well into next season to be honest. And look, and, and and Jerry's got to continue playing like that and you know hopefully he will. It was very illustrative that he said to you, didn't he, uh, last week that you know again he was highlighting that maturity. He regrets leaving the first time around. You know, in hindsight, you shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Uh, not many footballers can be, you know, that open and, yeah, and yeah. reflective. Yeah. A lot of them will say, you know, kind of blithely, "No, I made the right decision, but it didn't work out." He actually held his hand and said, "Look, I shouldn't have done it. Really. I yeah. should have stayed." And I think he felt, as he said in the piece, I think he felt that he'd he'd done well here, hadn't he, in 2013-14. I think he felt that under Luis Enrique, coming into the new camp, he was going to get a look in. But immediately became clear that he wasn't going to, and he shifted out to Sevilla, and he started off well, but soon fizzled out. So uh, no, I, he's um, he definitely has grown up. You can tell that, and it was uh, good to hear what he has to say, and and, and his performances look not perfect, but very very good and really encouraging. So long that might continue. I just wonder, just finally, Greg, on that, I wonder whether Roberto's mentioned it a few times. I just wonder whether he's captain in the under twenty one to Spain now. Yeah, and I just wonder whether that's a factor in his growing maturity. I wonder if he if he if he really likes that responsibility of being the man, the main man, yeah. you know. And it's interesting for. A, I don't know if he plays on the wing for Spanish. On I think he plays in a very similar position. Interesting yeah. to. I mean, that says quite a lot actually that they've put the armband on someone in that position. Mm. Quite rare, really, isn't it? I think. I mean, you have to go through the stats, but just looking at their early qualifying campaign for the Euros, he's he's been involved directly in quite a few of their goals recently. And yeah. So I just wonder if that's all sort of gone into the melting pot. You certainly, yeah. You certainly wouldn't have looked at the Jerry of uh, two years ago and said that's captain material no. at any level. Really. No, no. He was an individual. Yeah, uh, brilliant individual, but yeah. very much an individual. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps that's what's changed most of all. Yeah. And I think credit to Martinez, you know, he, the time he's been working with him since the summer, re- resurrected that relationship. Clearly, you know, he's he's getting into, and most importantly, he's indulging him, and I think that's mm. probably why, and the reason why um, Jerry would be wise to stay where he is, because yeah, he's yeah. got a manager who believes in him, and has given him the games now to make an impact. He did speak to me earlier on in a few of the games into the season about how he, you know, he really wants to be playing, and he, yeah. he, was, he was sort of making noises about not playing enough type mm. thing, but uh, his form has now dictated that he, he does. Yeah. And don't be wrong, he was up and down a little bit on Saturday. He doesn't always make the right decision. No, but I guess that's but, what you that's what you get from players like that, don't you? Because yeah. they're willing to gamble and willing to, to, to take take risks and, and try and make stuff happen and you can never complain about yeah. that. Well, you know, it's just touching on that finally before we go, I mean so many we were talking a bit about players now being governed by statistics, mm. right? I mean, and how and how they are almost aware of their own stats. Oh right, yeah. yeah. In games. Yeah. And again you saw on Saturday that Jerry isn't playing to any no. Any fear of Opta or pass completion or anything no, like that? No, he just wants to express his ability. Yeah, and uh, long, long may he continue doing so. Absolutely, great stuff. Well, there's a bit of a, a daily phase special in the, special in the end there, but hope you uh, enjoyed listening to it and uh, catch up again next week for uh, a podcast to preview what will be the Villa game, which seems a long, long way away at the minute on the on the 21st November. Thanks for listening. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Week. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.